Thank you, Pastor Jason. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, and those who, uh, those who are new with us today, uh, allow me to be the first to actually wish you a blessed Christmas. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm also the chaplain of the Boys Brigade and Girls Brigade um, here in ARPC. Um, do you know, first slide, yeah. Do you know that in ARPC, you know, it was formed by a merger of 16 members of Woodlands Ministry, led by um, Pastor Richard Ng, and another 16 members from Eden Road Ministry, led by Elder Michael Lee. So most of our members then were, these members of the 16, 16, which is 32, was involved in either the Boys' Brigade or the Girls' Brigade Ministry. And every year, as a Boys' Brigade officer myself, I, I would teach BB history. You know, and how will I do that? I will bring the new recruits all the way down to Princep Street uh, Presbyterian Church, and, uh, which is the founding place of Boys' Brigade in Singapore. I will tell the boys of how Reverend Richard Ng started the BB and GB ministry in a school at Woodlands in 1985. Next slide. So in the middle, you can see that's Reverend Richard Ng, a man whom I read I heard and spoken so much about, yet I have no opportunity to meet him in person. He knew that Woodlands was a difficult area of Singapore unreached by Christians. He saw the need and went all out to meet it, offering free tuition, started a youth group reaching out to the neighbourhood children in Musling, even showing Cantonese movies to the old ladies who hang out at the Woodlands Presbyterian Centre. Unfortunately, he passed away in 991 due to cancer, leaving behind his wife, two young daughters, and inspiring many youths who are current-day leaders in ARPC. So God then provided Pastor Chris, who just finished his theological studies to take over the baton. Just now, I was trying to ask a youth, I showed him this photo, he could not recognize. <laughs> so he led, Pastor Chris led the church of 70 members then, as you can see in the picture, to form this group called the Woodlands Adam Road Ministry. Such a mouthful, right? So the acronym is called WARM, W-A-R-M. The group photo in the screen is that 70, you know, taken at 25 Adam Road, and if you are part of this 70, can I ask of you to raise your hands? We are indeed encouraged by your faithfulness to the Lord. And we are thankful for the Lord, for His faithfulness in sustaining ARPC for the past 38 years. Allowing us to grow from a 32-member church to the current day, about 2,500 adults and children, these photos indeed brought back many memories, memories of God's faithfulness. Connecting to Pastor Chris's sermon last week, Pastor Chris spoke about God's faithfulness from Psalm 89. If we can recall his outline, that God is faithful to his covenant and promises, his steadfast love lasts forever. And the psalmist lament because the Davidic covenant seems to have 
already ended. Initially, God gave a three-part promise to Abraham in 2000 BC to give him and his descendants their own land to make them great and a blessed nation and to make the children of Abraham and the source of divine blessings to the whole world in Genesis 12. And thousand years later, God promised David wonderful things to fulfill his, prom his promise with Abraham. In 2 Samuel 7, the Davidic covenant essentially promises an eternal throne to the descendant of David. The Messiah, the, the eternal king, will reign on David's throne forever. Therefore, all kings then on must come from David's family line. It seems that there's this failure of God's promises in Psalm 89 to his people when the Israelites were cast into exile and the kingship ended. Only much later did we discover, if you look at this whole timeline, biblical timeline, that only much later did we discover that God has been faithful to his promise. When we look at the diagram, the, Psalm, the book of Psalm is part of um, the poetic books written during this period of time where you can see in the purple section. It happened before the 400 years of silence shown in the grey section. So before the Gospel of Matthew and Luke records the birth of Jesus, a descendant of King David, for most of us, the birth of Christ is the reason why Christians celebrate Christmas. In Orchard Road, you'll probably see the nativity scene of baby Jesus laying in a manger, surrounded by Mary, Joseph, and three wise men. And every Christmas, we are actually celebrating the faithfulness of God. The birth of Christ is God's fulfillment of His promise. So today's passage from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, is the continuation of the story of God's faithfulness. In Netflix term, the Old Testament is like season 1. And we are right at the start of season 2, episode 1. So the book of Matthew is part of a series of four New Testament books called the Gospels, which means good news or the message of Jesus. This series of books aims to give readers a historical and theological account of the life, ministry, death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's passage brings us on this journey with Joseph. Even though it's only eight verses, we can see how God is faithful to His promises every step of the way. So the passage, I segmented it into four different parts. First part, God is faithful in times of trouble. And in verses 20 to 21, God is faithful to intervene. 22 to 23, God is faithful to fulfill His prophecies. And finally, 24 to 25, we will see how Joseph responds to God's faithfulness. So during the responsive reading, you know, we read Luke's account of the birth of Jesus from Mary's perspective. And from Matthew's account, the writer actually pre presents another side of the picture 
from Joseph's perspective, the husband of Mary. And this allows us to actually see a fuller picture of the events leading up to the birth of Christ. The author gives the readers a breakdown on what is the trouble that Joseph is facing in verses 18 to 19. So after Joseph came to know the shocking news that the woman whom he pledged to be married was pregnant, it was only natural for any, faith, any man faithful to a relationship to be disturbed. The betrothed process sounds a little bit like the modern-day engagement, if you know what I mean, where people start to call each other fiancé instead of boyfriend, girlfriend. So looking at this hall, I wonder, you know, I probably have more children, church children here today. How many of you are actually between the age of 12 to 13? Any? Oh, you have some here, right? I saw. So if you're a girl who is age 12 to 13, that's probably the age of Mary when she is betrothed. Can you imagine being pregnant at that, at that age? And Joseph was about 18 to 19 years old and being officially committed to each other. Marriage in the first century, usually arranged by the elders of the two families, took place in two steps. First step, there was there's this official betrothal. Among, among, it, among this um, ceremony, there was this witnesses that then it caused this uh, thing to be legally binding. Second step, the bride then remains in her father's house for another year or so until the wedding ceremony to transfer her to the home of her husband. Mary, being pregnant at this point of time, when she was still in her father's house, it is bad news for Joseph. The choice that Joseph needs, needs to make is a critical one. It could be a life and death situation for Mary if he chooses to publicly disgrace her, exposing her pregnancy, accuse her of being unfaithful to, to their pledge to be married. If we refer to the Jewish laws in Deuteronomy 22, verse 13 to 21, and zooming in to verse 20, it tells us that Mary would be stoned to death since she's found to be pregnant while still in her father's house. She would be in trouble explaining how she got pregnant and who is this third party. And on the other hand, Joseph faces a dilemma because there are several options on his hand. A secret divorce is not possible as it involves two other witnesses to be present and Mary's pregnancy will be known by all the relatives and people in the town. Joseph then decides on the middle course without stating the reasons and not initiating a public trial, writes a, a divorce cert and sends her out of his house. However, this situation still exposes her to public shame when she gets back to her father's house. So, when we are in a dilemma, the decisions that we make most often are self-centered. We want to place ourselves in this win-win situation. People in my discipleship group actually known me as the Carousel King. 
because I, ha I have dealt over 500 you know, different products and, uh, and uh, have 250 over reviews. Five-star reviews. <laughs> I believe in this thing called upcycling, not hoarding things that I no longer use. So anything I don't touch for three months, I will take a photo and post it on the app. And there was once I was selling this used child seat that you see in the picture for a mere $50 because it's a well-known brand and uh, I had a good competitive price. Very soon, this mother actually drove to my place to pick it up. She took the item without checking, paid for it and left. A few days later, she called me and asked for a full refund. She said the item is faulty. She took photos of the broken styrofoam um, which formed the inner support. As I stated in my profile, that all goods sold are non-refundable and I would not entertain any appeal for refund. She turned hostile and she threatened to report me to the police. At this point, my wife pulled me aside. My wife posed a challenge to me. She said, can a Christian show more grace? Even though she was mean, can we show grace? I was still upset. <laughs> I told my wife, okay, you do whatever you need to do. So what my wife did was my wife contacted her. Immediately, she drove down to collect her refund. She was so thankful for the refund and I had to throw away the faulty child seat. Still a little upset. So as I reflected, I wonder why am I so upset about it? When caught in a dilemma, I realised that I was being self-centred. That it made me very hard to show grace to others. It left, if I am left to myself, we tend to make prideful, self-centered decisions. Just like how Joseph resolved to divorce Mary quietly. It seems to imply that Joseph does not want anything to do with Mary or anything to do with this child from the Holy Spirit. He found it hard to believe Mary's story that she is pregnant without other, another man involved. But God is faithful. God is faithful in times of trouble by not allowing things to blow out of proportion. Joseph wanted to fulfill the law and thus did not publicly disgrace Mary. He also wanted to show Mary compassion. So in verses 20 to 21, we saw how God is faithful to intervene. And the angel of the Lord had to intervene by appearing in Joseph's dream, reminding Joseph of the messianic prophecy by Isaiah, addressing Joseph as the son of David in verse 20. So how is this title, son of David, an assurance to Joseph? The angel of the Lord is pointing us back to the genealogy of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to 17. And if we look at verses 2, the passage shows the record of, the, of genealogy starting with 
Abraham. Then, 14 generations down to King David in verse 6, and 14 generations down to King David, from King David to the exile to Babylon. And lastly, 14 generations from the exile to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. The Messiah is a promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 3, the writer of Matthew is trying to prove that Jesus satisfies what is written in the prophecy from Isaiah 11, 1. The passage describes a new David will rule with righteousness and justice, ushering peace. Israel and Judah will unite and someone will be sent from God to deliver them from the rule of other empires. The people were waiting for God to send them a saviour, a messiah, a king. The messiah will be the fruit that comes from the shoot of the stump of Jesse, the father of King David. This prophecy reminds Joseph of Jesus' legal Davidic lineage. It is a wake-up call for Joseph now that God revealed Jesus' identity to Joseph, pointing Jesus as the Messiah. The command from the angel of the Lord are very clear. Joseph must not be afraid to take Mary home as his wife. Mary has been favoured by God to bear a son and Joseph is to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So before the birth of this child, the name Jesus has already been chosen by God. The name Jesus is an embodiment of God's rescue. In Greek, Yahshua is a complex action word, which means he saves, forgives, healed, and made alive. The name of Jesus nicely summarizes all that Jesus had come to do. Jesus is faithful. So all these can only be accomplished by God himself. God is faithful to intervene. His assurance drives out fear and assures Joseph of the things he might not fully, even fully understand. Have we ever cried out to the mighty name of Jesus in times of trouble? Have we ever experienced God's intervention in our lives. I was an army regular for five years of my life. I always thought I'll be a soldier all my life. And when I got to know Cherry, now my wife, we were planning to get married. And um, then my army captain called me into his office. He said he wanted to send me as a perm staff, you know, mean base in this camp, Wukou a military camp uh, in Taiwan for one year. Immediately, I declined his offer because I was planning to get married. His tone suddenly changed. He told me sternly, this is an order. So I'll be charged for defying an order which warrants a jail term. I asked him for some time to think about it. I was troubled. Immediately, I turned to the Lord in prayer and asked the Lord, say, Lord, please help me, I'm stuck. The same afternoon, as I was going for my canteen break, 
I bumped into my administration officer. Army called it S1. He congratulated me. Say, hey Daniel, congratulations. You passed your five-year service mark. And then he jokingly tell me, he said, anytime from now, uh, you have the ability to resign. <laughs> wow. I say, God, you are amazing. You immediately answered my prayer. I went home. Wow. I typed out my resignation letter and submit the next day. I could not understand why such a abrupt end to my army dream. Fast forward one year later, I found another job in a security company that specializes in military security. So I was repairing a barrier, you know, the, the barrier for cars to enter. And uh, in an army camp, while a convoy of artillery gun carriages passed me by, carrying the casket of three soldiers, I looked at the photo on the casket and realized it was the same soldier who volunteered to replace me. I googled and found this report of a fighter jet that crashed in Taiwan Hukou. The plane crashed into a signal store that I was supposed to be in charge of. God rescued me. So when I look back, I can only see God's faithfulness in this whole incident. God preserved me and made me a soldier of Christ instead. In verses 22 to 23, the author helps me or helps us to link what is spoken by the angel of the Lord in Joseph's dream to the prophecy in Isaiah 7.14, which is cited in verse 23. There are three words we would like to bring to your attention. The first word, fulfill. This instance is the first instance the word fulfill is mentioned in the book of Matthew. And when we see the author emphasizing it 12 times across the whole gospel of Matthew, we know that Jesus is not here to abolish the Old Testament or, or what the prophets say, but Jesus came to fulfill all of them. This fulfillment is an authentication of Jesus' identity as the Son of God, the Messiah. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament and no one else can orchestrate this except God himself. So the author of Matthew's Gospel correlates to help the readers understand Matthew verse 23. And in Isaiah 7.40, all the way to Isaiah 7.40's prophecy, the sign of Emmanuel in Isaiah 7.14 actually serves as an assurance to Ahaz, this king, as he faces his enemies, that before the child knows enough to reject right from wrong, probably about two to three years old, his enemies were now, that are now threatening Ahaz will be laid to waste. For the child is called Emmanuel, God with us. God gave Ahaz this sign despite his disbelief. Going back to Matthew 1, the supernatural appearance of the angel of the Lord cited Isaiah 7.14 too, which Joseph 
understand that this virgin birth of a son is part of God's plan. This assures Joseph that Mary has not been unfaithful, that Joseph can now proceed with his wedding plans. The second word is Emmanuel, that means God with us, that points Jesus as being more than just an ordinary child. The child in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. The name Emmanuel tells us that this child is the embodiment of God in human flesh, a fulfilment of Davidic covenant promise, a son of David through legal adoption by Joseph. So God here is faithful to his prophecies and Jesus is the embodiment of God's presence among his people. So after Joseph woke up, his following actions reflected his full obedience to the Lord. Firstly, he took Mary home as his wife. He accepted her. His obedience went above and beyond what he did not, that he did not actually consummate his marriage until Mary gave birth to Jesus. His reverence for the Lord caused Joseph to wait. In Matthew 12, 46, then informs us that Jesus has other brothers born of Joseph and Mary in the normal way as well. Second, he obeyed God's command and gave him the name, the child, the name Jesus. He was convinced when believed what the angel of the Lord said, he wants to be part of God's salvation plan. Do we respond to God's faithfulness with obedience? So our response to God's faithfulness matters. For those who are doubtful today, like Joseph at the beginning of the narrative, doubtful if there's even such a thing as virgin birth, doubtful when we don't sense God with us in the whole situation that we are in. When things are falling apart, do we immediately doubt God's faithfulness? Turn to the Lord in prayer and seek His wisdom for He loves and cares for you. James 1, 5-6 tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and you will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. I pray that whenever when we are doubt, we will recall the instances when God is faithful to us. Charles Spurgeon once said, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace His hand, we must trust His heart. So for those who believe, do we respond to Joseph in obedience to His word? Do we respond like Joseph in obedience to his word? In John 5, verse 2 to 3, tells us, By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God and obey his commands, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and that his commandments are not burdensome. Our obedience to God demonstrates our faithfulness to him. We can, we can also glorify God in the world through our obedience. Since God allows us to know these things, blessed are those 
who do them. History helps us to remember God's faithfulness. So when we look at what God has done in and through the late Reverend Richard Ng, teaching faithfully, mentoring youths, inspiring the next generation of leaders, even his sudden death cannot stop God's plans for ARPC. At his passing, things may seem bleak. What happens to all the ministries under his care? But God can use his death to assure us that all things are indeed in his sovereign control. God has never asked us to do great things, but he has asked us to remain faithful because he is faithful. I quote from the creative team of the ARPC Anniversary Handbook. If you've seen this before, you're probably as old as me. <laughs> you know. At 25, this celebrates 25 anniversary, and, and the quote says, a lot of things can happen in 25 years of church life. If these walls could speak, they would have so much to share of lives come and gone, tears wept and dried, bonds broken and mended, loves lost and found, dreams faded and reborn, prayers unanswered and answered. Yet the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. I thank God for the faithfulness of His servant, the late Reverend Richard Ng. So this Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, because the faithful, the faithful God who keeps His promises and fulfilling His prophecies is with us. God is actively pursuing all of us and faithful to intervene in ways we never expect. Have a blessed Christmas. Allow me to pray as we, as we end. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we give thanks that you are a faithful God, faithful in keeping your promises, fulfilling your prophecies. Time becomes your witness to the promises that you have delivered, keeping us faithful as we trust in who you are. Let us not forget what you have done for us as a year comes to a close, seeing us through different hurdles in life and many more to come. In Revelation 2 verse 10 says, Be faithful to the, very, to the very end, and even if you have to die, and then I will give you the victor's wreath of life. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen.